Lettuce Beauties with your host, Matteo Pascale. When it comes to this episode, as written in the episode description, it's divided into three different sections or three parts. The first section is from a video that was text messaged to me and my mother from one of my mother's friends. When I watched it, I had to say it was one of the most spiritually enlightening videos I've ever seen from the internet. And I'm not lying about that. I'm not even joking. When I watched it, I was like, this is enlightening. And I felt like I had to share it by ripping the audio, presenting it on a future episode of Let Us Be Idiots. Which is interesting to me. Like, there's a lot of new age stuff in the air right now. It's being taken down, both on YouTube and Twitter, for being violating terms of service and being unhealthy. Mainly for con artistry or a lot of it being anti-vaxxed. And I consider that woo. It's not really spiritual. It's more of like a cult of personality stuff, but I'm not going to get into that. But this video that my mother's friend sent to me and my mother, I think is legitimately high levels of spirituality. And that's why I'm playing the ripped audio of it as the first segment. There was a blind girl who hated herself just because she was blind. She hated everyone except her loving boyfriend. He was always there for her. She said that if she could only see the world, she would marry her boyfriend. One day, someone donated a pair of eyes to her and then she could see everything, including her boyfriend. Her boyfriend asked her, now that you can see the world, will you marry me? The girl was shocked when she saw that her boyfriend was blind too, and refused to marry him. Her boyfriend walked away in tears, and later wrote a letter to her saying, just take care of my eyes dear. This is how human brain changes when the status changed. Only few remember what life was before, and who's always been there even in the most painful situations. Life is a gift. Today before you think of saying an unkind word. Think of someone who can't speak. Before you complain about the taste of your food. Think of someone who has nothing to eat. Before you complain about your husband or wife. Think of someone who is crying out to God for a companion. Today before you complain about life. Think of someone who went too early to heaven. Before you complain about your children. Think of someone who desires children but they're barren. Before you argue about your dirty house, someone didn't clean or sweep. Think of the people who are living on the streets. Before whining about the distance you drive. Think of someone who walks the same distance with their feet. And when you are tired and complain about your job. Think of the unemployed, the disabled, and those who wish they had your job. But before you think of pointing the finger or condemning another. Remember that not one of us are without sin and we all answer to one maker. And when depressing thoughts seem to get you down. Put a smile on your face and thank God you're alive and still around. Life is a gift, leave it, enjoy it, celebrate it, and fulfill it. Speaking of shit shows, I was recently on the R train and had the joy to um, witness and secret real record as I do uh, the Jolly Cat. If you don't know who the Jolly Cat is, t pause this right now and fucking Google it. Google who that is, or YouTube searches. You um, It would shock you, but not amaze, as I would like to say. Anyway, so this is whatever the ripped audio performance I captured of the Jolly Cat on the R train this week, as of recording this. And if you can't tolerate it, just fast forward it to the meat of this episode. Hey, Charlie, J-O-L-L-Y, last name Clowney, that's Clowney, 
My grandfather, a.k.a. John LaCistro, the former New York City politician under Ed Koch, who ran Mayor Ed Koch's campaign. I realize listening to a lot of, like, guest appearances he has done in media, he's really good at it. Here is my grandfather being interviewed by John Casamides on AM radio station The Answer. This is the Cats Roundtable, and this is John Casamides. Would you believe this January was 40 years since Mayor Ed Koch became the 105th mayor of the city of New York. Uh, with us this morning is John Cicero, and he was Ed Koch's 
closest friend and assistant, and he was there since 1978. Good morning, Charles Cicero. How are you this morning? Good morning, John. I'm fine. Now you were there Good for the whole. Good talking to you. Thank you. You were there for the whole 12 years. Mayor Koch was the mayor, and right. you started. You guys started in 1978. If I remember correctly, 1978, New York City was in one tough spot. It was a real tough city. Tell New Yorkers what kind of challenges you guys had when you took over the city hall. Well, uh, the reason the challenges were so great is that in 1975, we had a, a danger of going into bankruptcy. So they laid off thousands of cops and teachers and workers in the city. So the city was really depressed. On top of that, in 1977, when Koch ran for mayor, there was a blackout, and whole neighborhoods were looted and destroyed. So when he came in in January 1978, he realized he had to cheerlead the city. So he kept telling everybody, we need 12 years to get things back. The subways were all filled with graffiti. We had all these buildings that the landlords had abandoned, and the city acquired them. We had half the Bronx burned down, a third of Brooklyn, and upper Manhattan and Harlem. So it was very discouraging. But he really went around talking to people. We would take walks in the street. We had a town hall meeting every month in a different neighborhood for the whole 12 years. We just kept going and talking to people. No matter how tough the neighborhood, we went. And he, and he, only, he had a great sense of humor. And so... <laughs> I'll never forget we were marching in the human rights parade with the Chinese council, and he turned to the Chinese council and said, if you want to defect, just let me know. I'll take you. And the guy, <laughs> the guy, guy almost dropped dead. So that's the way it was in New York. And he was lucky. He was also good friends with Governor Carey. And so the two of them were congressmen together, they went down to Washington and asked for, for loans to get the city bar. And they trusted Carrie and Koch that they would be fiscally responsible. So when they came back, we got the loans. And also, the governor gave us four years to balance the budget. And we did it in three years. So it made the Wall Street people very confident about him as mayor. So they would give us the financial breaks. And, and we're lucky. We had a good relationship with the Congress, with the legislature, and the governor. And that's very important for the city of New York. If the mayor and the governor don't get along, you got problems. Now, how and was the crime rate uh, then? The crime rate was terrible because we had the, the fewest amount of police in our history, of, of modern history anyway. And so... The cops really couldn't control anything. So uh, we finally, after two years, we got a, a new police class. And just as the crime was coming down, the crack epidemic came 
that's when uh, Rudy Giuliani was the U.S. attorney. And we would arrest people. It was like a revolving door. We would arrest them, and they would turn them out. It, it was uh, very difficult. Also, when he came in, uh, the first month, we had two blizzards, two weeks apart. And he said, the next thing we're going to have is locusts. <laughs> you know, it, he just, he would look at the, uh, a crisis and say, we're going to solve it. And he, the, well, the other lucky thing that he had, he got a lot of experienced people to come back to government who had been in the Lindsay government. You know, people like Nat Leventhal, Stan Bresnov, Norman Steisel, you know. And so they had experience, and we put them in the top positions of the government. Now, how do you see the way the city is today? You know, we went through uh, 20 years of Rudy Giuliani and then uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. And right. uh, how do you, you saw big improvements in the city? Yes, the improvements are tremendous. The, the problem is, as we become successful and the rents go up, the working class have a very difficult time. Uh, if you go out to try to get an apartment, you probably can't afford it. And the, the working class people are having a tough time. But the other part of the city, I mean, all these new buildings, and it's just tremendous that also people come to this country, to New York. It's a boom town for tourists. It's, uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. You see, I grew up, I'm, eight, I'm going to be 88 next month. I grew up on the Low East Side during the Depression. I mean, it's, it's a different world, a different world. Now, how do you see it under Mayor de Blasio? Well, he's got... Um, He's, I, I give him a mixed uh, uh, report card. What he should have done when he first came in was he had all this money that Bloomberg handed over to him. He should have put it right into the housing authority. If you want to have poor people and working class people stay in the city, you have to have some place for them to live. And we have thousands of apartments in the housing authority. He should have put the money in there to fix them up while building some moderate-income housing. Well, the other thing is he, he did a good thing with the pre-K. That was a very good thing he did for children. Now, you had a reunion in January yes. uh, with all the old executives under Koch. How was that? Uh, how did that go? It, it went very well. You know, it's nice to see people you haven't seen for a year. And people get older, they get heavier. You know, you have to recognize them. But there's a good feeling among the alumni because most of us had a very good experience. I mean, it changed my life. And I know it changed a lot of other people's lives because working for him, he didn't mind having smarter people than him around him. And he was very secure in his own skin. So if you succeeded... He was very happy. He didn't have to get all the attention. He didn't have to get all the glory. And you know, John, that he was talking to reports. He'd have three press conferences a day. He loved answering questions as tough as they were. John, we're out of time. Thank you for coming on and giving us 
great memories of Ed Koch, a truly great mayor for the city of New York. John LeCicero, friend of the mayor, served the mayor, served the city. Thank you for all your good work, and we hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Anyway, we're now here to the meat of the episode, and um, I really wanted to do this for a while, but I was just waiting till it felt right. I edited an order in chronological orders of appearances. Every episode of features Big Chief, my grandfather, a.k.a. John LeCistro. Here with my grandfather, and he has some uh, very interesting stories I like him to share with the public. Over the years, there have been a lot of stories. Yeah. But uh, I, I was thinking the other day of uh, before I got into City Hall, I was uh, running a friend of mine's campaign for judge, and uh, it was a gay pride parade. It was small in those days. So I said, you should uh, march in the parade. And, you know, a lot of the gays will be very friendly to you. And he said, no, I have no problem. So he marched in the parade. And as he's marching, he sees television cameras zooming in on him. And he says, oh, isn't this wonderful? I'm going to be on television. And it says, elect so-and-so. And as they zoom in on him, he turns around, and there's a guy behind him with a sign saying, cocksucking causes cancer. <laughs> and now he's embarrassed. And on the sidewalk is a nun that he knows. And the nun from St. Vincent says, hi, how you doing? Oh, hello, sister. He almost dropped dead. <laughs> dead. Then there was another thing with the when it was a small parade, the Gay Pride Parade. And uh, I was a member of the Village Independent Democrats, which was on 4th Street. And around the block was Christopher Street, where they're going to start the parade. So me and about three other elected officials, I was a Democratic leader of Greenwich Village. So we're going to join the parade. And the head of the Gay Parade said, we'd like you to lead the parade. And he said, you want us to lead the parade? I said, yeah. So I said, no big deal. I said, let's do it. So we got in front of the parade, and as we marched about f 50 feet, stop, stop. What's the matter? I said, well, the lesbians are upset that straights are leading the parade. So we're embarrassed. Could you move back in the parade? They said, no problem. And the lesbians have been leading the parade ever since. <laughs> and <laughs> very few people know this story because the three elected officials with me are all dead. <laughs> oh. uh, and, uh, you know, things like that happen. But then uh, when I got into City Hall, there were a lot, <laughs> lot more experiences. And... There's always something happening at City Hall. You could have three crises in a day. And I remember when we first got into City Hall, um, one of the people who worked with us said she had a meeting with people in Broad Channel, and they had lost their homes. And the Lindsay government tried to help them. The Bean 
government tried to help them, and they couldn't succeed. So she said, I would like to help them. So I said, well, let me talk to the mayor. So I went in and I said to Ed, that was Mayor Koch, I said, Ed, uh, Denise wants to help these people in Broad Channel. He said, oh, I know all about it. Do whatever you can to help them. So I called a meeting of 24 different agencies with the commissioners, and I said, the mayor wants this done. This woman is going to be in charge of everything. If you don't listen to her, it's not me. I'll just go to the mayor. So you better cooperate. It took her four years to win back the property that the homes were on. And at that time, all the people of Broad Channel called her Our Lady of Broad Channel. <laughs> and, you know, things like that where you could help people in government and very few people know about it. There are so many people in government that help people that are unsung heroes. And that woman was an unsung hero because she had such a determination to succeed in helping people, but it took her four years. And things like that that uh, happened. Uh, Do you remember the story about the Indian man who shot up the, the boat? No, I don't remember that right now. I just can't think of it. That's fine. It'll come to you eventually. Yeah. If it does, I'll write it down and narrate it. <laughs> I, I got another story. Before I was in City Hall, I was helping Bella Absick run for Congress. And uh, one of the keys to her winning was a small district in Little Italy. And one of my friends was running for assembly. And... Uh, he was a regular, and I wanted him to, we were the reform movement. And so I asked him to help Bella. He said, but I'm running for assembly. Uh, he said, it'll hurt me if I help her. I said, but you can make the difference. So he decided to go with Bella Absa, and he helped her, and she won the primary. But now there was a general election, and there was a fellow who was on the radio, was running on the Republican line, and we were worried about him. So at that time, the Italian Civil Rights League, headed by Joe Colombo, who was a gangster, uh, was leading the Italian Civil Rights League. And he had a, a meeting of everybody around the city to endorse different candidates. So. Frankie, Frankie, the district leader, the guy that helped her, brought her to the com to the convention. And as they walked in, they found out that uh, they were going to endorse the Republican over Bella. So the fellow had used to be a bail bondsman, so he knew a few of the gangsters. So he said, don't worry about it, just stay here. And so he went over to the group that was protecting uh, Joe Colombo, and he said, uh, I'd like to talk to Joe. And Colombo gave the uh, nod of approval, 
And so he walked over and he said, you know, Joe, I hear you're going to endorse Barry on the Republican line. You have a four to one shot. I've got a one to three shot. I think you're better off with the one to three shot, which is Bella. And Colombo reversed everything. And the Italian Civil Rights League, headed by Joe Colombo, endorsed Bella Hapsett for Congress. And she became a congresswoman. And nobody remembers that because Bell is dead, Frankie's dead, his campaign <laughs> manager's dead, and I'm the only one that remembers that. So there are stories like that that happened a long, a long time ago. Finally, the return of a very um, interesting guest of mine who I like to refer to whenever he's on the show as Big Chief. You're kidding, aren't you? No, because I've had you on a few other times and are always referred to as Big Chief in the okay. title. Yeah, and I was I was really planning. This is my grandfather. He's um, a former politician for the local New York City area, and he's just great at telling stories. What are some absurd stories you had from back in the day of Al Sharpton? Well, when we first met Al Sharpton, he was a teenager. And uh, Koch had just become mayor. And uh, four ministers came and asked for a meeting with the mayor. And we, we uh, gave them a meeting. And uh, they came in with demanding jobs for teenagers. Yeah. And we had a program that we were taking there was a program that uh, you got federal funds in the summer mm -hmm. for teenage kids. But before Koch was mayor, they used to give it out politically. Yeah. That uh, different uh, priests, ministers, uh, political people gave the jobs out. And Koch decided that only kids who were poor under a certain amount of money that they earned or their parents earned, that they would get the jobs and we would put it on a computer mm -hmm. and, uh, and let the computer uh, choose the kids who were poor. Yeah. Well, the ministers came in and they demanded th these jobs. And we said that uh, we were gonna do it that way with the computer. And, uh, and so they said, well, well, if you don't do what we say, we're gonna sit in. Mm -hmm. So Koch said, this is the end of this meeting. And we got up to, to leave. And the detective that uh, was with us said to the mayor, what do I do? And Koch says, have you never heard the word arrest? Arrest them. And we arrested them. We never had a sit-in after that. Years later, uh, Ed Koch and uh, Sharpton became friends. Yeah. And it took me years to get there. I've been watching a lot of old footage of Al Sharpton's most extreme moments in the newspapers and media. He has a very, when you look at his like kind of his haircut and his jogging suits and his jewelry, he very much has the imagery of like an Egyptian pharaoh on camera. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... He was, you know, he started out very young as a yeah. teenage priest, uh, 
preacher. Preacher, reverend. And uh, he, he, was, he evolved. And now he's got his act together and he's a national figure. Oh, I know. I, I just find it very fascinating, his transformation. It's very much kind of like how Trump transformed two different people. Yeah, but uh, Shopton transformed Better into himself. a nice person. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Trump uh, transformed into an idiot. No, no, that's what I find funny about it, just like the differences. So what do you, what do you watch on TV lately? And I watch a lot of uh, TCM movies. Yeah. I like old movies because when I was younger, I yeah. used to go to the movies all the time. And, uh, you know, at least once or twice a week. And so I know a lot about the old movies, and I, I watch a lot of news programs. Do you prefer films like from uh, like on TCM? Do you prefer the from the forties or thirties more? Uh, a mix. Mm -hmm. Certain movies in the thirties, like I thought that Spencer Tracy, who was a star from the thirties, forties, and fifties, yeah. yeah, was uh, the leading actor of the day. But you know the uh, I thought Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant and, you know, and all those old timers. Yeah. Story of when, uh, that guy, your the two guys, your friends who were at the Inner Circle rehearsal dinner. If you don't know if you're listening to the Inner Circle is where the press does it once a year a show to roast the local politicians of New York. And we're talking to two guys, you know, one is a former uh, um, lieutenant or captain of the NYPD who's retired around your age. And the other guy was a reporter who worked for City Hall. And we were talking about when Ed Koch was uh, greeted with some Brahmin prince from India who gave uh, Koch as a gift, a giant gold dagger. I don't remember that at all. That There were so many people that came to City Hall yeah. in the 12 years from all over the world. I mean, one of the, the things that I remember most was uh, Deng Xiaoping's yeah. son came to City Hall and he had been attacked. He was thrown out of the window. During, during the Cultural Revolution. And he was, uh, he was made... Uh, yeah, in a wheelchair, yeah. In a wheelchair. And he came to visit Ed Koch. And Koch said to him, when your father got in power, did you get even with everybody? <laughs> Yes, it's a good and line. The guy was smart enough to to just ignore the question. Yeah. No, it's with that dagger story, what's interesting about that dagger story is the guy the cop who was in that room with us was saying that um the guy who gave Ed the dagger waited on an East River ferry and took the whole place hostage of a gun. That, I don't remember. That okay. So the guy who was telling said he arrested him, dragged him back to City Hall, and were arguing because Ed wanted to give back the gold dagger. And they were fighting over everyone in the office, the word of a dagger go, and they couldn't find a dagger. And apparently the reporter who was in that room of us at that night at the inner circle said, oh, Ed, I put the dagger in your bottom desk drawer. And Ed said, and the cop said, repeated what Ed said, Ed apparently claimed I never opened the bottom desk drawer. <laughs> well, he had what I remember is he didn't hold the people hostage with a gun, but held them hostage with a dagger. Oh, dagger. Interesting. So you do remember the story now? Well, I remember part of it. I don't remember the whole thing because I wasn't there. Oh, you weren't I there? I remember when uh, them telling me 
the story. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just, just interesting, like thinking about like I was doing like when I was talking about the story from my, uh, my mother, she was like City Hall used to be very relaxed on your security. Yes. When we first became uh, into City Hall, uh, people just used to walk through. There was a bathroom there. Yeah. People used to tell the cop, I just want to go to the bathroom and you, they'd let you go to the bathroom. And uh, the reporters were yeah. always asking questions and they would follow Ed Koch into the bathroom and ask him questions. Like paparazzis. But then when they killed the, the mayor of San Francisco. was It was Harvey Milk, right? Well, he wasn't the mayor. He got killed with the mayor. Okay, okay. I can't think of the mayor's name. He was a very good mayor. And uh, Harvey Milk and the mayor got uh, shot by this no. guy. His uh, defense was he... I blame Twinkies. Twinkies. He yeah. Twinkies. And he beat the rap. But anyway, once uh, they killed the mayor of San Francisco, then the police commissioner in New York decided we had to have security. Yeah. And so anybody that came in, they had to show ID and uh, they couldn't go to the bathroom anymore. They had to go to another bathroom. And the, the security, they really clamped down yeah. because yeah. naturally, uh, the mayor was always getting threatening Mail. letters, and he was so we didn't tell anybody, but he was always being threatened. Who was doing it mainly? Like what ethnic group or well, demographic? There's crazy people. You yeah. know, I meant like was it like the gays or like Hasidic Jew? Like no, it it could have been anybody. Anybody, okay. Because you you got them all the time. So we used to have town hall meetings where the public uh, came and asked questions. Uh, uh, questions for two hours. We would do it. And uh, every yeah. month we had a town hall meeting. How many people showed up? Oh, it could be anywhere from 30, 40 to 200 people. That's chaos. And uh, anybody could come. And also, we used to take walking tours in neighborhoods. Yeah. Just, you know, just on the spur of the moment, go visit different areas. So the police were always nervous about, because they had been receiving these threatening things that they were going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, so we're, the police really had a tough job. And we doubled our security when he first became mayor. He would have two or three cops, but after a while, we had six or eight cops, mm -hmm. especially when we went to a town hall meeting. So we yeah. always had two cars of uh, police. People. Yeah. But in the beginning, it was very laissez faire. Yeah. People I, walking in and out, I assume. No, it's just, I just I just find it like like just to change the city. It's it's just interesting to watch. Even COVID's changing it drastically right now. Oh, this this uh, this COVID thing has changed the whole country and the whole world. Yeah, it just you know you don't know who's been with anybody. 
So if you're not wearing them, I don't understand these people don't wear masks. Because it's against your civil liberties. It's the same thing you know, with like free speech. Civil liberties, yeah. But uh, meanwhile, over 170,000 people have died. Because they're anarchists. That's the main, the main reason. They don't believe in government regulation. Well, that's part of it. But uh, I think it's, they don't believe that uh, they believe what Trump said, that, that it's a hoax. And they don't believe that they're, for instance, I saw a couple of weeks ago, a doctor tells their patient that they have the virus. And the patient said, that's baloney. I don't have the virus. There is no such virus. It's a hoax. Now, his doctor is telling him. So think about the mentality. Yeah, I know. You know that I saw that in the media. They said that person died later that week. Oh, I don't I don't know about yeah. that. But, uh, you know, I read, I, read, I read up on it, yeah. But it's really interesting. Like, the anti-mask thing in America is, like, really right-wing. In Europe, the anti-mask thing is really left-wing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, the socialist parties of Italy and Greece, more libertarian members of those parties are anti-mask. Well, I, I don't blame them because I hate wearing a mask. Yeah. You, you have trouble breathing sometimes. And yeah. When you're outside, you're walking, you're in a hurry. Yeah. And, uh, but you got to do it. You got exactly. It. I don't know. Do you think this, I think the city's going to city will bounce back around 2030. Well, what, what's going to happen is, uh, when Koch became mayor, yeah, took, uh, I don't know, about five to 10 years for the yeah. city really be very economically but this is worse because if you don't have the tourists coming to the city yeah no one comes but when the tourists come you have the theaters yes have the museums the theater the movie theaters have the restaurants all those places have people working yes that's an enormous I, I'm trying to think of the number uh, when uh, I know Koch was May. I think they used to have maybe 15 million tourists. Yeah. By the time the end of Bloomberg, I think it was 40 million. Interesting. That that's a lot of people coming and bringing jobs. Yeah, a lot. And so if the tourists don't come back for another year, yeah, uh, it's going to take time. And also, if the federal government doesn't uh, bring uh, pass bills to, yeah, because the people that that need the jobs are the ones that are hurting the most. Yes, people in office buildings—they're working from home. You know, they're middle class. They have money in the bank. Yeah. They can get by a year or two uh, with less money. But if you're a waiter in a restaurant or you're a delivery man or you're working in a store as a clerk, yeah, they don't have no, they money don't. in the bank that they barely can get by from month to month. So think about this has been going on for nine months, months. since March. Yeah. Those people are really hurting. Yeah, I know. And when, they, when they pass those trillion dollar programs it really helped but then there were uh, people who are not you know they're illegal 
Yeah. Working off the books. Those people didn't get hurt. Didn't they, those people didn't get help. Uh, I was, you know, um, the, uh, I was reading the breaking news. Apparently, I didn't know the the president, um, what do you call it, uh, um, like Biden, before, he signed an order. He's excusing student loans. Well, he's not president yet, so I don't know how he can do that. The article says President uh, Biden-elect, uh, no, um, President, yeah, President-elect, it's as soon as war is in, his first goal is pardoning under executive order and also other half a bill for Senate through pardoning $10,000 of multiple individuals with student loan debt. Well, what he's not going to be president until January 20th. Yeah. So the first thing he'll do is January 21st, he'll sign that executive order. Yeah. He's going to sign a lot of executive orders. Because yeah. uh, Trump did so many things that he has to reverse. Yeah, and I'm sure people are working on it right now to to give them a list of uh, stuff, executive orders to pass. Okay, so I'm here again with my grandfather. And every other time he's on an episode, I like to title him and label the episode as featuring Big Chief. You calling me Big Chief? I call you Big Chief in every episode I put you on. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And just to tell you, it's not a police thing. It's more of a tribal thing. Okay. My tribe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a political tribe. but We're going to get to that later. Right. Okay. You know, recently uh, with uh, my grandfather, Big Chief, um, we just watched the Shafir Brothers film from uh, 2019 Christmas and 2019 Uncut Gems. And it was really fascinating to watch, just interested, and had the idea for a long time to watch this film with my grandfather. And I want to hear his takes on what he thought of it. Well, as uh, I told you, watching the lead character was it brought me back to uh, when I was a teenager. Yeah, okay. I used to hang out in a pool room where they had ticket tapes and gambling and yeah. and uh, card tables and pool tables. And there were a certain group of people that gambled all the time. And even though they will lose, it was like an obsession with them. And they all seem to have psychological problems, <laughs> ulcers, because th they were constantly looking at the ticker tape to see if the the innings would come in on a baseball. We didn't have television in those yeah, days. Yeah, or radio. And so we had radio, but the, the ball games weren't uh, broadcast okay. in other cities. So they were constantly looking at the ticker tape and the and they were wrecks. Oh, and, okay. And they gambled all the time you on know, everything, everything. It's really, it's interesting. You know, that painting and that painting got reframed from winning an NBA bet. Right. Yeah. That's all I want to address. But, you know, today's the 4th of July. And I was wondering, you're a guy from old New York. Do you have any interesting 4th of July stories? Well, on the 4th of July, we always went to the beach. Yes. Okay. And... So when I got to be, I don't know, 16, 17, I was the kid in the crowd 
of all these veterans from World War II. Mm -hmm. And they ranged from 21 to like 30. And they all had served in World War II. Some in a lot of action. One was a prisoner of war in Germany. And they never talked about it. Okay. They never talked about the war. But we always went, we would rent the boathouse. That's nice. In Rockaway. That's nice, yeah. And uh, they all were patriotic, but they never talked about it. Interesting. They just felt like they got through the war. Yeah. And that, that was... They're, they're finished. They're done. They don't right. Need, yeah. I was thinking more like fireworks in the street, like Chinese New Year stories. Well, the fireworks, when I was in the Koch administration from 1978 to 1989... Mm-hmm. We always had the fireworks on the east side of Manhattan. Yeah. And we would uh, have a place where a lot of the commissioners and the guests would go into a place wh- which was set up for us. Was it by Greasy Mansion? No, no. It was in the, in the 30s. But uh-huh. uh, we, so we got to see the fireworks from right by the river, and Koch would always drive up in a ship, uh, in a boat with the firemen or policemen and be in the East River and would greet us that way. And uh, it was a spectacular fireworks display. Yeah. And I remember when you were, uh, I don't know, maybe four years old, we took you and you couldn't stand the noise yeah i left i remember so you had to leave it was just too much for you uh but we all enjoyed ourselves all the time and that was our fourth of july display that's nice now they brought up the costume administration we get to the meat of the issue the real reason main reason they brought you besides uncut gems was uh i want to talk about conspiracy theories that are believed by democrats not republicans and I want to hear your takes on them. First one of the conspiracy list. Dick Cheney and Karl Rove are responsible in masterminding behind the death of Senator Wallstone's plane crash. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. I mean, first of all, whatever you think of Dick Cheney, yeah, he's a patriot. Yeah, absolutely. He would never even think of such a thing even though <laughs> the Democrats couldn't stand him. True. Right. That's what, These are not believed by officials in the government, but public figures who are Democrats. Right. The next one is, um, regarding the claim, it's just right here, of um, the, 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 the second shooter in the JFK assassination was not affiliated with uh, we Harvey Oswald, but happened to be a Philadelphia-based mafia assassin in the same area who wanted JFK shot, and the bullets happened to be off at the same time. This claim has been heavily pushed by CNN's Pierce Morgan and many retired MI6 agents who made this claim to trashy British newspapers. This is the first time I've ever heard that conspiracy theory. Okay. I've never heard of Philadelphia mafias. Uh, they couldn't get their cells arrested. No, but like, it was like they uh, killed uh, uh, Jimmy Hoffa. That's what the, the thing springs off of. What, that K- 
killing Jimmy Hoffa was the belief mm -hmm. that it was from the Teamsters' yeah. own people that killed him. Yeah, it's the same theory for JFK. This is what I'm trying to elaborate Right. On. No, no, I, I understand. But that's a long stretch from Jimmy Hoffa throwing him uh, into a, a con construction site and shooting. I mean, you had to be a perfect shot. Ah. To hit JFK from both directions. From both directions, it's just it, yeah. It doesn't make sense to you at least. What? No, to you at least because you're a lot of nut jobs. You probably believe it. Who's going to rationalize oh, whatever uh, sort of way possible? Listen, they'll always, they'll never be arrest to the speculation about Kennedy's assassination, assassination. because it is so hard to believe. believe. That the Dallas police could not control this. They had yeah. secret service and everywhere. everywhere, and yet this guy was in a window. Turn the thing around. Suppose we sent somebody uh, who was affiliated with the FBI to Russia, and then he defects, and he comes back, and then he goes back to Russia. And he kills uh, Russian official, the president. That say Stalin, yeah, yeah, or Stalin, yeah. whoever was the president at that time, uh, Khrushchev, Khrushchev. Khrushchev. Can you imagine that uh, the the Russians would believe, believe that it was a one-time one shooter? Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, it, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. But the reason it's getting a lot of attention now, there there's a bill going to the Senate to unclassify the documents this soon. Sure, unclassify, unclassify, but it'll never settle the issue. It would never will. Never will. Talking about conspiracies, liberals believe in and Democrats. Here's one: the only the good the only good re reasoning of uh, the only two good things that Trump did within a reasonable perspective. Is vetoing TTP and potentially killing and assassinating Jeffrey Epstein? Assassinated Jeffrey Epstein? Many conspiracies. Oh, in the prison. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is more believable yes, yes, it than is. anything else because the guards were so irresponsible by going to sleep and not watching him. The camera was shut off, too. I mean, it, that's the most believable conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be Trump. It could be anybody that, any that, Ep that Epstein had uh, things on. Supposedly, he was close to the Israelis, uh, the, the, Israelis the Brits, the French, the, uh, President Clinton. I mean, it, that's the most believable conspiracy no, there absolutely. is. Absolutely. It, what I liked about when, it, when that uh, issue happened in the news last year, or a year, or a little, no, I think it was last year. No, it happened in 2019, and it, like, carried on. Um, with the issue that when it happened, the news was even really spectacal. Ske the news itself, the news agencies were skeptical itself. Of, like, did the government do this, or did the foreign entity do this? They didn't, like, go with the natural narrative themselves. Well, the newspapers that believed it was uh, an assassination because they knew he should have been protected. Yeah, but he wasn't. And he wasn't. So 
it's like a movie scene. Uh, if you go to the movies, you know, and they, yeah, exactly. they like play, well, why don't you take a walk for a half hour? Do you tell the guard, you know, take a walk for a half hour? Yeah, like Born Ultimatum. You know, say you had to go to the bathroom or whatever, and you didn't get somebody to relieve you. And then the guy gets killed in the jail. Exactly, exactly. And um, there's two more conspiracies I have on here. And um, this is a t particularly strange one. Um, it was originally believed by the, the Democratic Party, but switched over being extremely right-wing in the 21st century, is the belief of UFOs. Because I'm pretty sure you've seen the articles coming out, right? Yeah, of course. Well, years ago... Um, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 years ago, I went to meetings of UFO believers. Yeah. And to, you know, see what they, why they thought that, you know, they'd have these people that said they were kidnapped. and uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. And they really, it, it's almost like uh, they were having mental breakdowns. That they really believe. No, I know. I've seen people really believe this shit. Like it, yeah, it's, it's extraordinary to witness. They really believed they were kidnapped. Now, it was interesting. I watched. Uh, I forget his name from the Museum of Natural History. Uh, Dyson. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, "Now, why is it only that the UFOs appear to the Navy?" And why only to these, why in the whole world don't they appear to other people? Why is it only to the Navy guys? It's true. You know, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to have people visiting. Everyone's <laughs> going to at least see them somehow. Right. Why not go to China? There, oh, there are a few hot spots in China, in Midland China. There are a lot of people who claim to see them. Yeah, well. Not enough like in the U.S. Right. Also, you know, people want to believe. They do. They yes, they want do. To Hence believe. the TV show, The X Files. I want to believe. <laughs> I know it's getting momentum a lot lately because apparently the Senate also has to vote on a document coming up or a bill presenting information about UFOs to the public. Well, also, uh, they showed those pictures. Yeah. I mean, they can't explain you what. Can't, I know. You know, so that gives credence. To so, the belief that there's something out there. I don't even think they're aliens. I honestly believe that, I, in my opinion, I think they're time machines. <laughs> time machines? Yeah. Well, I'm being serious. Um, well, I know you're being serious. I don't know. I, I come from the the school. Show me. Show me the proof. Show me the right. evidence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you have any final words about this? Usually, the, I knew it was going to be a shorter episode we got for the bullet points. You look like you were falling asleep. No, I'm not falling asleep. I'm, okay. Just, okay. I'm just stretching out on the couch. Yeah. I, uh, I I really have nothing to say about UFOs except I used to go to these meetings. Yeah, who'd you go with? And, yourself or someone? With my wife. Okay. And we would uh, see these people. They all seemed <laughs> a little strange. Yeah, no, and I And I'm sure they thought my wife and I were strange because we really were there. Yeah, yeah, you didn't really fit into the crowd. Right. Anyway. Big Chief is back. This is the return of the Big Chief. If you must know, Big Chief is my grandfather, who is a very well-known public figure. So I compiled a list of um, some stories and questions to ask him. 
that I think will be humorous we haven't addressed on the show so far all the times he's been a, a booked mm-hmm. guest. Can you tell me the time that uh, you got involved? Uh, was it with a... Uh, um, you were somehow involved in a weird interaction with Ollie G, a.k.a. Sasha Born Cohen? Well, I, I was um, called by a woman that uh, <clears throat> wanted to warn Ed Koch that uh, this person was going to trick him and say he was a reporter and he was going to embarrass him. Yeah, yeah. So I called up Ed Koch and said... Do not make an appointment with this fellow who's going to call you and say he's a reporter. He's really trying to humiliate you for his comedy show. And so we canceled it. Yeah. But that's the only time I ever had any interaction on him. Interesting. Did he try to approach you? Well, because... The, he was not the mayor anymore. Yeah, I know. And we were good friends. So people would call me or some other people that are close to Gotch to get an appointment or to see him or to interview him. Or when they wanted to run for office. They wanted his endorsement. So a lot of people would yeah. call me to try and get an appointment with Gotch. Oh, so he couldn't have been any anonymous name or person. Right. Yeah. I remember when you were uh, in, I, I don't remember, but I remember when you told me the story when you were working in the city government of Egg Hodge, the, the two of you met Cab Calloway. Oh, yeah. Uh, he came. We used to honor uh, famous people. Or when they were in town, they would come and visit. Uh, Cab Calloway came. We honored Delina Horn. Uh, we gave him a medal for the city of, New York, and uh, you know we we always had famous people or or political people would come to City Hall to to see Ed Koch. the The most famous, uh, in, as far as I'm concerned, was uh, Sophia Loren. Okay. I mean, the place went crazy. The reporters were jumping all over the place. But as far as entertainers. One of the best entertainers that I always liked, because growing up I always went to see his shows, was Lionel Hampton. Lionel Hampton was uh, one of the first people, uh, musicians, to integrate at Symphony uh, Carnegie Hall with uh, Benny Goodman. He was a great uh, exilophonist, piano and drum, and he really used to rock the place. He was great. And he also was a Republican and had supported Reagan. And so Reagan gave him money to build housing in Harlem. And that's why he was visiting us, because he wanted it okay for zoning and things like that, that he wouldn't have any trouble building his building. Interesting, yeah. Did Koch uh, go with it? What did you say? Did he, did Ed Koch and his uh, people agree to go with his plane? Oh, sure, because he was building housing for moderate-income people okay. in Harlem. 
Um, I remember, a while, like, it was years ago you told me the story when you were, uh, that took place when you were in the Air Force base in Japan during the Korean War. I don't know, I'm going to build up to it because it's, the whole, I remember the story involved you, another person you knew, and a monkey. Oh. <laughs> the, 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 the fellow was a civilian, uh, worked with um, my wife. Uh-huh. Uh, her name in those days was Joanne McDonald before we got married. And uh, there was a contest for people to uh, to uh, enter uh, costumes. And he decided he was going to go as a, a string bean because he was tall and thin. And he painted his body green. <laughs> and he had a monkey. And the monkey got a, a, got a hold of um, what do you call it? when you polish shoe, shoe polish. polish and started polishing his suede shoes and he got so mad he was chasing the monkey and they went out to a firing range <laughs> and the APs. The air police thought this guy was nuts. Here he is, painted green as a string bean, chasing a monkey across a firing range. And they arrested him and brought him to jail, put him in jail. And finally, after he got out, he ran to the, the costume party, and they gave us the award that had already been given out to someone dressed as a, <laughs> I still laugh about it, as a, a man in an iron suit. <laughs> Here he was, the most, the best costume, green bean. Yeah. <laughs> so the person was dressed as a man in an iron suit, like like a tin suit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Like the Wizard of Oz. That makes sense. Uh, I remember. Um, my mother was telling me a while, it was, in, I don't know, maybe like 20-something years ago, you did a project with Donald J. Trump. Oh, uh... You mean him? After, uh, I, I was out of the city government. Yeah. And I became a lobbyist, and one of my friends was running his company. And he, he hired me to try, he hired me to try and get, uh, uh, this project through on the west side and uh, I was in a meeting with Donald Trump and Donald Trump said oh you guys are not doing enough for me I don't need you I'll do it myself <laughs> so I I was hired for two weeks and we left we didn't work for him anymore and they built the, the project on the west side and in fact he built the a pier out on 70th Street that goes uh, one third out in out into the Hudson River. He did uh, a, that was a good pier. It was, yeah. But you know, he's a pain in the ass. You know, he, you're not doing it right. everything you're had to be his way. Yeah. You know. So I, my friend, I think lasted a year or two <laughs> working for him. 
In fact, my friend had been the housing commissioner for Ed Koch and built a lot of housing. So uh, Donald Trump approached him when he was leaving our government and said, uh, I, I'd like you to run my company. I want to build some housing. And my friend was over 300 pounds. <laughs> and, but he said, if you're going to work for me, you have to lose 100 pounds. <laughs> and he made my friend go on a diet, and my friend lost 100 pounds. He's very committed to the de- art of the deal. Right, to the art of the deal. And they built the housing. But my friend only lasted, I think, two years. He two could years. only take wow. so much of him. You know, Julie, I've, I remember uh, um, we were right now recording in a former Trump-owned uh, high-rise. And the thing I remember the most from the 2016 election, which is fucking true and funny, uh, that Marco Rubio said about Trump is that uh, his buildings are horribly designed, the walls are paper thin, you can hear your neighbors arguing, <laughs> they have the structure, and some of the buildings in Manhattan look like they're about to fall over like in North Korea. Yeah. Well, that, it really turned out that he didn't own a lot of stuff. No, he leases he it out his name. put his name on the building, yeah. so people... Because he was well-known, and people wanted to live in a Trump building. Yeah, of course. But now that what they know about him, they're taking their names, they're taking his name off the buildings. Yeah, I know. What was some of the most obnoxious um, uh, meetings you've had with public figures? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, in 12 years, just in government alone, uh People come in and they they expect you to do what they want automatically and yeah. with so I always had a, a lawyer from the corporation council okay. in a meeting with me and I would turn to that person and say, Is it legal or not? <laughs> First of all if I know it's legal then we could talk about it. But if it's not legal, let's not waste our time. Yeah. You know, and things like that. It's good. And uh, there were always people like uh, uh, one person came in. Uh, we just uh, we had just taken over the government, uh-huh. and the first week, Ed Koch uh, put out an executive order that uh, the government couldn't discriminate discriminate against anybody who was gay okay. in, in the government. Yeah. And then we also put in a bill to try to get uh, gay rights for uh, gays. Yeah, the LGBTQ. And, uh, but the, the city council had to pass it, and the committees were stacked against the gays. Interesting. And it took us a good eight years to get Was the bill passed. Was this both Democrats and Republicans? Yeah. Very interesting. And it took us eight years to pass the bill. But... Some of the gays would come in and say, you could get this bill. Why don't you just offer a judgeship or uh, offer something so we could buy uh, the votes from the council person? And Koch would say, that's illegal. You can't offer something for, to get something through. Well, we don't care. You know, we don't care. But anyway, it took us eight years yeah, to yeah. get the bill passed. Couldn't you just like Koch? Couldn't he, at the time? Couldn't you just like present it like giving it to the New York Supreme Court or in behalf of the city? No, no. That's 
you had to pass a law uh-huh. in the city. It took us eight years, but yeah, we yeah. finally, and as he said, there was such opposition to giving gays their rights. And he said, look, once the bill passes, the sky's not going to fall. <laughs> so once we passed the bill, nobody talked about it anymore. They just took it for granted. It just shows you how far we've come yeah, oh yeah. from 1978 until now. Now you have gay marriage, you know. There's still a lot of hatred on all sides. There's still a lot of discrimination in the country against gays in hiring. Yeah. And uh, they should be, not only they, we all should be pressing to give people the rights to a job whether they're gay or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. I want to get talking a little more about conspiracies. Like the last episode, I found out some new new stuff I thought was interesting came up. What's that? Uh, first off, um, I was doing all the conspiracies revolve around the pullout of Afghanistan. So, what's your take on that? Before we get to that, the conspiracies I want to ask. In Washington, all the people who work on like any like uh, group, committee, organization, department revolved around Afghanistan. Are all of those people going to resign, quit, or just be re- like reforming other stuff? No, some will resign, but you know, people they stay in their positions if they thought they were doing a good job, or if they're superior, or they're, they're you know the president and the yeah. people he appoints. Yeah, uh, I know they're trying to get rid of some of the Trump people that got uh, positions in the last week or two. That Trump appointed, but uh, that's going to be a little difficult. But yeah. uh, if you remember, uh, Trump fired the FBI director yeah, he Comey. Did. Yes, he did. When he had a fixed term, yeah, he wasn't supposed to fire him, but he got away with it. You know. Anyway, now going to the conspiracy aspects of it. Um, do you? Uh, there are a lot of conspiracies flying over the internet that. China is going to uh, pr- prop up the Taliban for opium trades of poppy r- across Asia openly. <laughs> I, I don't believe them for one minute because who's going to suffer with opium if it thrives? It's Chinese. They, they take no, no, opium no, the, the theory is they want to push into the United States. They don't have to push into the United States. The United States is already yeah, taking right. drugs all the time from Mexico. Very true. So, I mean, that's one of the problems with the drug trade. If the United States citizens didn't take drugs, there wouldn't be a problem. Very true. The next conspiracy is, uh, I was doing research on, this is just random conspiracies on the Internet, that, I'm trying to word this properly, that... There's going to be a part two inter, um, invasion, not from armed services, from mercenaries like Blackwater and all that stuff. What are they going to invade? They're not going to invade Afghanistan necessarily for money, but they're going to do it under like black op mining operations for rare earth minerals. Well, there's a lot of a lot of money in minerals in Afghanistan. A lot. I don't know why they have to go to Afghanistan. They can go to other countries. The type of minerals they need are essential for making computers. Oh. Yeah. That's. But China has a lot of that. 
True. I don't know why they have to go to Afghanistan. All they have to do is trade with China. That is very true. That is actually... I don't know why everyone on the internet never really thinks about this stuff. Well, because they like conspiracies. They like... Oh, oh, yeah. Everything is under the... Under the radar. Under the radar. The last one I've noticed of these, like, conspiracies, I was, like, just looking around at... It's not really a conspiracy, but I find it very interesting how the right... The Republicans hate China and the Democrats hate Russia. Well, it's not so much we hate Russia... It's that Russia was our enemy yeah. for a long time. Oh, yeah. Still are. And now that uh, they're really not our enemy, but uh, they try to interfere with our elections and their computers, their hackers, yes. are hacking our industries. Yeah. So they say that Russia doesn't control them, but uh, they live in Russia. Yeah. So everybody thinks that the Putin should stop them. So and as far as China is concerned, I mean they are number one uh um, competitor. Ca- the capital gains competitor, yeah. China's our number one competitor. Yeah. You realize that twenty years ago that they were very, very backwards backward country. Now they're one of the leading countries in the world. Oh yeah, and uh, they are uh, with their new leaders. Yeah, really. He top wants of to really. Uh, and, uh, you have to know the history of China. It's a vast history. They feel that for the last five hundred years, they were humiliated by the West. The European countries. Yeah, yeah. Explo- exploited them. And control them, and it's always right there on their thinking that uh, that's never going to happen again, and that they're going to be either the leading nation or one of the leading nations, and nobody's going to push them around again. This is really funny. I know a guy. I'm not going to say who it was, but he's kind of a wealthy dude, and he and he's really anti-America, like. He went to get his vaccinations in China. He went to get his vaccine. Well, that that is the dumbest thing, because we don't know if the vaccination in China is as good as our vaccinations. Ours. Yeah, this this guy uh, works as a tech developer for uh, IBM. Well, listen. There are a lot of jerks in this I know. world. He told me that when he came back to the United States, he, um, the State Department called him up and told him, we can't legally arrest you or fine you, but it is frowned upon what we who did. Right. It's just, there are, it takes all kinds oh, yeah. to live in this country. I know. And uh, you have to put up with some jerks. <laughs> I love how the web, the State Department has a like a, a little blurb on their website about vaccinations. We do not encourage going to China or foreign nation right. vaccines. Right, that's for sure. Yeah. Any, do you have any final words? Because I recorded thirty minutes so far. Well, what do you want me? To I, I don't know. Just anything that comes to mind. Well, you know, I'm ninety-one years old, and I've seen a lot of things in this country and right now uh, things are not going well people are divided 
But this country's been divided before. All you have to do is go back to the Civil War. You can go to uh, the Joe McCarthy era when everybody was afraid of communists. So, I mean, we usually overcome it. And uh, I think we'll overcome it again. It's just that it would be a lot easier in this country if people work together instead of fought and fight with each other. I mean, just think about everybody gets a vaccine when they're born in this country. To Multiple to, vaccines. To go to school. I mean, five to ten vaccines. Yeah. And, and here, one of the governors said we should have the freedom to not take the vaccine. But it, meanwhile, in Texas, they're stopping women from getting abortions if they want to. Their free rights, their rights are not important, but someone to, to deny the vaccine is important. It's ridiculous. And the, anyway, that's the only thing I can say okay. right now. And I hope that eventually in the next couple of years that we stop working together as a people. Yeah, and that's been another installment of Lot of Speed Idiots, and I'm going to cut it. Danger! Representing on Let Us Be Idiots podcast. Let's go! Let's go! Lou B, U B, Raw, that's a real gig. That's a real gig. But I'ma stay a fool, so let's be idiots. Let's be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots. Let us be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots. They ask me how I do it, keep them coming with that hot flame. Dames take the reins, act a fool with my pin bangs. Only place I do it is the show that gets the silliest. Tired of being stuffy, so I say let us be idiots. Y'all about to know that I'm the monster with the sick flow. Call me PMS, probably million stacking. No, no, let's go. Drop lava rocks, burning infinite. Keep these bastards angry, angry bastards just don't give a Lighting their ways up, bring the real deal. I feel we too much. Make them all squeal, mohill in my clutch. Make them out in our ruby, lighting it up. Got you saying, well, Lang G, you be raw. That's a real gig. That's a real gig. But I'ma stay a fool, so let's be idiots. Let's be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots. Let us be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots.